Hello, 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 and welcome to Stigma Busters. My name is Courtney Rice, and I'll be your host for this podcast. But before we hear from our guests, let me tell you a little bit about me. I am the current manager of marketing and communications with NAMI Wood County. NAMI stands for National Alliance on Mental Illness. And as part of my position, I'm also contracted to do marketing efforts for the Wood County Alcohol, Drug Addiction, and Mental Health Services Board, aka Adamus. I am also a proud graduate of Bowling Green State University and University of Toledo with my BA in psychology, and I also have my master's in social work. I'm also a licensed social worker and a huge mental health advocate. But enough about me. I want to talk to you today about why we decided to do this podcast and what its goals are. We wanted to create this podcast as a way to continue spreading awareness on mental health and addiction issues. In case you didn't know, one in five individuals in the U.S. come face-to-face with a mental health condition each year, and that includes the folks right here in Wood County. So on this show, we want to talk to local therapists, social workers, counselors, and others to learn more about not only how you can get help in Wood County, but also we want to bust some stigma. So in case you don't know what stigma means, I'll tell you according to the Google machine. Stigma is the disapproval of or discrimination against a person based on perceivable social characteristics that serve to distinguish them from other members of society. But unfortunately, this happens way too often with mental health and addiction. How many times have you ever heard that people are, quote, crazy or, quote, psychotic? How about people with mental illness are violent? Watch out for those people. They belong in the loony house. That talk stops here. We are going to bust stigma because, after all, we are the stigma busters. Kind of like the Ghostbusters. I ain't afraid of no stigma. With all our talks and interviews, we are hoping to continue to spread awareness on mental illness, addiction disorders, and most importantly, we want to help you get the help that you need. Greetings, all, from the Stigma Busters. Today, I'll be chatting with Eric Barton, a staff member of the Connection Center right here in Bowling Green. He is going to chat with us today about all the great work that him and other staff are doing for our Wood County community. So let's get started. Today's episode is brought to you by the Connection Center. The Connection Center is part of Harbor, a behavioral health agency serving counties in the state, including Wood County locally. Harbor's mission is to improve the health and well-being of individuals and families by providing the highest quality, compassionate care possible. You can learn more about Harbor by visiting their website at harbor.org. And visit the Connection Center on Facebook by searching Connection Center BGOH. Before we dive in more into our podcast, we want to share a disclaimer for our audience. The content we share on Stigma Busters can bring up a variety of feelings and thoughts, and the Wood County Alcohol, Drug Addiction, and Mental Health Services Board is here to help you. If you want to connect with mental health and or addiction resources and treatment, you can dial 211 and you will be connected to services today. Sometimes folks may have thoughts of suicide or hurting ourselves or others. If you are experiencing these type of thoughts, please dial the Wood County Crisis Line. That number is 419-502-HOPE. So again, 419-502-4673. 
and you'll be connected to an experienced counselor right here in Wood County who will help you get help. You can also text 4HOPE, so the number 4HOPE, to the crisis text line, and that number is 741-741, and you'll be connected to a counselor within minutes. Always remember, help is here. Today, I'll be talking with Eric Barton, a psychosocial rehabilitation specialist for the Connection Center. Eric has lots of experience working with folks who are also experiencing mental health conditions, and I'm so excited to be able to talk with him today about the great work that is being done at the Connection Center. So Eric, welcome to the show. Hello. Why don't you get us started? Uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I've been uh, with the agency for 14 years now. I started back in 2007 in residential when we were still called Behavioral Connections. At some point after several years there, the Connection Center became aware of me and asked me to come work here. And I've been here ever since. Lots of years of experience, it sounds like. 14. Yeah, right? It's <laughs> <laughs> a long time. Yeah. So, you know, thinking back to a little over a decade ago, what made you want to get involved in the mental health field? It's not something I ever thought about. I didn't go into the residential program with the intention of staying. It was just a job that became available to me. At the same time I started in residential, symptoms of my own mental illness started bubbling to the surface. I was in my early 20s. And so I, uh, I've since then been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. So it just happened to coincide that uh, I started a job in this field that also illuminated what was going on with me. <laughs> so uh, uh, I then just became very interested, obviously. I, I needed to know more about what was going on. Uh, and then the center came along. And the center has been really flexible and awesome. And then I meet people who are just like me, and it's great. And I just happen to be staff here. We don't really differentiate between staff and members. And we call the people who come here members, not clients or patients or anything like that, because they are they have a say in what happens here. It is um, a membership thing. And anybody who receives mental health services in Wood County is automatically a member here. So it's not something you actually have to sign up for. If you live in Wood County, you can come on in. Wonderful. Yeah, it sounds like, you know, you're able to kind of have that group of people who can come together, have something in common with each other and just learn from each other, talk about each other's experiences. Uh, that's kind of what I'm gathering from what the Connection Center is like. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit more about some of the programs and uh, the different events that you have happening at the Connection Center. Sure. The Connection Center is built on this idea or this model called the Clubhouse model. It's something that comes out of a place in New York called the Fountain House, and it goes back to the 50s. And it's a member-led approach to mental health care. Uh, we try to structure our days. There's several groups every day. And the idea is it sort of mirrors a workday, an eight-hour workday. So for people who are trying to uh, reintegrate, let's say, uh, maybe they just got out of the hospital. It's a great stepping stone. It's also a place that's safe to come and hang out. It's it's like uh, it's a it's a safe coffee shop you could think of. 
uh, you could think of it that way where you, you can stay here all day. At least you could, you know, right now things are very different because of COVID, but uh, we still try to keep it as, you know, similar to that uh, clubhouse idea as we can. Now we're not an official clubhouse. There's a lot of, a uh, lot of regulation that comes with getting that accreditation, but we follow the clubhouse model here at the center. I love that analogy. It's kind of like a, a coffee shop that you can just come and hang out. Uh, maybe even better if it smelled like espresso beans all the time and it had <laughs> that, you know, like aroma, have that nice music in the background. Yeah, that sounds really relaxing and like a fun place to be. We we try. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, it's very difficult with all the COVID regulations and social distancing. I know a lot of other folks have been struggling so much with that. So if yeah. wants to get involved with the Connection Center, um, you said, you know, it's anyone who is in Wood County who is involved in services. Yep. Uh, and adult uh, over 18. Okay. So how would that process look? Is that something they would find out from their own um, like therapist and clinicians or would they contact you? How does that work? Um, usually a therapist or case manager will let somebody know that we exist. We've been around for 20 plus years and it's still hard to get the word out about who we are. So this is great to be doing this. A lot of, there's a lot of confusion about what we actually do. We want it to just be open to people. So if it sounds like something you could benefit from, you could give us a call or you could just come in, just come and knock on the door. Right now you have to knock on the door, uh, <laughs> but whenever things get back to relative normal, um, you just welcome to walk on in and, and we can show you around and uh, show you what groups we're doing. Well, hopefully by the time this is out, we can, you know, have people go and just walk on in, walk in the door. Yeah. Fingers crossed that they can do mm -hmm. that. Uh, let's, let's be optimistic about that. Uh, so, you know, this is Stigma Busters. I always say that. And I love to hear just some examples maybe, or just some instances in your role. Um, you know, you've been doing this for 14 years, so maybe something that you've experienced with stigma and mental health or something that you've seen happen to someone else. Stigma, you could say it comes in a lot of flavors. There's the really obvious stigma of, you know, people who know what kind of facility we are, maybe saying some nasty things in the parking lot, stuff like that happens. There's also stigma between between members sometimes or between people with mental illness. It could be higher functioning people feeling, you know, a certain superiority to to lower functioning people, anything. Or uh, a really common one, I keep running into this, uh, especially recently, is uh, treating something like ADHD as if it's not a real mental illness. There's a lot of that that can go on. Stories I've heard from some of our members here, another version of this is is something that's not, uh, it's a stigma without malice. It's uh, like a family member who's unwilling to share bad news. So if a family member dies, you know, perhaps a mother won't tell one of our members, things like that. Uh, in my personal life, having this job and um, having a family who isn't very educated on what mental illness is, has uh, 
has created some friction. I have a family member who owns a business, for, int- uh, for instance, and he asked me if there was a way he could tell if somebody had a mental illness so he wouldn't have to hire them, which was a wild thing to say. And to, you know, to, it seems obvious to us that that's not something you should do or say. To him, it was an honest question. He really wanted to know um, because he thought every time there's a shooting in the news, it frequently gets labeled. It's somebody who's mentally ill, even though the statistics don't support that. And that's where he was coming from, you know? So there's a variety of ways. And there's even things I'm sure I do that uh, would fall into like stigma without malice. You have to be careful with your language. We don't say things like that was crazy, you know, around here saying I'm so OCD or I'm having a bipolar day, things like that. That's language that needs to kind of go by the wayside. Yeah. So a variety of things. Yeah, I think that big piece, um, you know, a few things came to mind as you're talking with language. I think that's so something so simple that someone could do to help um, be less stigmatizing. So a lot of times what we try to say is, you know, we avoid saying crazy. That's one thing we definitely try to work on. Uh, so we'll always be like, oh, that's so wild. That's such a wild thing that's happening. That, that's mine, too wild. Yeah. 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 So, you know, just the small changes I feel can really help in educating people. Um, And it sounds like, you know, you all are doing that quite a bit too, trying to create that environment um, where people feel safe and people don't feel um, stigmatized or labeled as crazy or insane. Because, you know, there's so many other people out there who are going to do that, you know, so it's best that we have, you know, the best intention for each other and able to support one another. One thing, you know, you had mentioned, too, was about, you know, the violence that a lot of people think with um, someone who has a mental health condition, you know, that they are, you know, violent or, you know, doing these violent crimes. And, you know, you had mentioned that that's not the case. Um, So I'm just kind of curious, you know, what, how would you, how did you approach a situation like that, you know, and your family member saying that to you, you know, did you tell them the statistics or... How did you go about educating them about that? So that was at Christmas dinner. And I wish I could tell you that I, you know, laid the hammer down (laughs) uh, and handled it like a pro. I didn't. I was dumbfounded. I was absolutely speechless that somebody would say something like that with a straight face. And there was something about how to him it seemed like a perfectly fair point of view to have. And that is something that's just ingrained. That's a kind of stigma that's so built in. In general, though, in my better days, <laughs> when I've been able to handle these things, I guess the the phrase I like is win friends, not battles. You're not going to convince somebody that, you know, if somebody believes that somebody with a mental illness is just a powder keg ready to be, you know, lit. You're not going to convince them otherwise in a day or in a conversation. But if you can get to know them, they can come to their own new conclusions based on nobody knowing somebody who either works with people who are mentally ill or is themselves mentally ill um, or both. 
that's my approach now. It's a longer, <laughs> uh, more laborious approach, but it's much more beneficial in the end for everybody. Definitely things like that. It takes so much effort, so much progress. And I feel like it's, we want to see that progress so quickly, but it just takes forever. It seems for people to, you know, use, you know, proper language and for people to not make those quick assumptions. Um, and one thing I thought of is, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Um, I think that's a big piece of what, you know, we definitely try to do. And I'm sure you do the same thing is educating people as much as possible about what is appropriate and what is not appropriate. One thing For I was sure. thinking too. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I was thinking too was, um, you know, you've had a lot of experience working, you know, in this field and working in organization. And I'm just curious of over the years, how much you have seen stigma change. Do you think it's gotten better or do you think it's gotten worse? Maybe the same? That's a really good question. What has changed? And this is true, not just in um, and the, the kind of mental illness stigma we're talking about here, but language is changing. People are becoming, and I know people get really upset about um, what seems to be such tiny little things microaggressions and stuff and the in the words we use these words are important they carry weight and there's a lot of history behind words like crazy insane you know these kinds of things and there's a lot of personal history uh behind saying something like i'm so ocd seemingly harmless isolated you know uh but for people to understand or like have empathy I think this is important uh, empathy for people struggling with with their various mental illnesses. The, the language is a big part of that. So I've noticed uh, that there's a lot less people's, you know, people are at least aware of when they say something like that's so crazy that that's something that maybe they shouldn't say anymore. At least there's that. And there is less, you know, people yelling on the street stuff. That used to that seemed to be a lot more common back in the mid 2000s than it is now. That's interesting to me, and I don't know if that's because like the connection center itself has moved. Um, we moved several years ago now, uh, but we didn't move that far. <laughs> we were downtown next to Grounds for Thought, and now we're next to Kermit's, so it's just down the street. But yeah, that's that's different. I haven't seen somebody yell or get yelled at on the street in a long time. I'm trying to think of anything else. Uh, that's. I wish I had more. That's that's what I've got. It doesn't seem like a lot, but it's important. I, I definitely agree. I think even small progress is still progress. And just those little changes, you know, being able to be more open-minded, using the right language, you know, that's a big thing, what we've talked about. That makes a difference. It definitely does. And I think that you all and many other folks in our community are doing so much, so so much great work to help beat that stigma, and I really appreciate it um, as someone oh, who also you. has a mental health condition. So, oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, of course. Well, um, I didn't know if you had any closing thoughts uh, at all, but I think that's everything I have. The language thing. Okay, just I would say be aware of what you're saying. And be open to understanding when somebody takes issue with something that you might consider a small thing, like saying, that's so crazy. But to somebody who's, you know, dealing with an illness, 
that might be something impactful. So it's a little thing you could do, not say the word crazy all the time, that would have an enormous impact on somebody in your life. I would say keep that in mind. That's great. I love that being able to go to a call to action for our listeners. Well, thank you so much, Eric, for coming on today. I really appreciate you sitting down, chatting with me. Uh, Hopefully we'll be able to see those doors to the Connection Center open wide uh, Mm -hmm. soon. Yes, indeed. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Stigma Busters is written and hosted by Courtney Rice and recorded and produced by Kaylee Molman. Music is composed by Ben Damon. Stigma Busters is funded by the Wood County Alcohol, Drug Addiction, and Mental Health Services Board. Stigma Busters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Pocket Cast. Subscribe today.